what society thinks. They're nothing anyway. They're no better than me. Until we hear the safe word, we will not stop. Test, test. Hey, this is uh, Jason Rouse, and welcome to the Safe Word Podcast on a uh, Saturday afternoon here, not far from the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in my home next to a, a Kiss pinball machine and BMX bikes. It looks like I killed some frat kids, <laughs> and uh, I've taken over their home. But my guest on the show, uh, Mike Ward, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, was our first time we met, uh, was it New York or was it yeah. Canada? Uh, I think it was like, I, I, like I've known who you are for years, but uh, I think the first time we actually talked was in New York. Yeah. Sometimes there's, uh, you're, you know, there's a very kind of uh, small touring uh, Canadian comedy circuit. Yeah. Not to mention if you're uh, French, that's even, even small, yeah. smaller, I'm sure. How many major cities... What were your biggest draws in, in Canada? Uh, Canada is like mostly just Quebec. So it'd be uh, Quebec City is actually the best city for me. Yeah. Doing comedy. Yeah. yeah I yeah. can sell out like my, um, uh, there's a theater there. It's a 1200 seater. I can sell out like 12 nights. That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't it nice that you have a, uh, there's a loyal, thick, fan base at least somewhere in the world yeah you know what i mean like at least you can, you can always re- go back there and be safe <laughs> yeah redeem yourself <laughs> and they give you uh okay i'm on the right track yeah uh there's uh there's a lot of naysayers and th- people out there that are kind of pull you away from your ideas and to come to a place my place oddly enough is like copenhagen denmark okay. and places like iceland and norway and things like that uh, for some reason i don't know it's my Canadian sensibilities or my vile behavior, but they really uh, grabbed a hold of it. But doing comedy uh, outside of uh, the country must be strange, you know, when you've got those kind of fan bases and stuff in Canada. Yeah, I really like that, though. And it's amazing for the ego, like doing a 1,200-seater and then the next day or the next week doing like an open mic night in Berlin yeah. With like seven people and yeah. all of the comics started doing comedy like in the last month. It's insane, right? It's <laughs> I, insane. I really like those rooms though. I mm-hmm. I like I've I generally prefer rooms that when you look at them at first you're like, this place is gonna be horrible for comedy, but finding a way to make that shitty room work is fun for me. Totally. And I think those people come in with almost no expectations. You really come in at a really, even though you might not be well known, or you have a very level playing ground to start with. Yeah, you're very. Ha- you're from somewhere else. What is this guy all about? You know, it's very. Uh, you're. It's it, and the comedians too also see what's current and what's happening in the uh, kind of traditional sense of stand-up yeah. comedy. I, the thing I really like doing is if if I'll do a show in a country that they're like. Um, 
languages in English. I'll go see like a local show. Like I was in um, I was in China last year, and I went to see a, a Mandarin open mic night, mm-hmm. and it was amazing because like the the crowds I was getting were all expats, so it was the same as playing in Montreal or playing yeah, in Buffalo yeah, or whatever. Yes, Hong Kong was like yeah, that. But the, like, so, uh, there's and, nothing fresh here for me. I know these yeah. assholes. <laughs> but then when I went to see the Mandarin show, mm-hmm. like the crowd, they don't know stand up, so they wouldn't laugh out loud. So you'd have just these women like putting their hand up. Like it almost felt like a parody of what how Chinese people are. Sure. So they were going like giggling at jokes. There, there's they. It's like a vulnerability they're not used to. Yeah. They're not used to being put in a position where they're exposed, and laughter totally sheds all that yeah. ego and stuff. And then you, they check themselves. Yeah, and you, they're very at. polite. Like, it almost looked, uh, when you'd look at their face, that they felt that their laughter was somehow bothering the, the performer. So they were like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ruin your comedy show with laughter. And I dig <laughs> the, the uh, it's the opposite of America. No one has any respect for any environment around them or <laughs> nearby. It's a fuck you, get out of the way. And you go to some countries where, you know, they have a, a culture that is a, you know, I remember riding the subway in Sweden. It's, it's packed. Quiet. Oh, really? No one talking, no one making eye contact. Everyone's just kind of sitting in transit. And then you go on to a, uh, we'll call it a night bus in London, 3 a.m. on a Saturday. And it is the cuckoo's nest on wheels. It's <laughs> It's a full-on meltdown of of mental illness. (laughs) And uh, you have to laugh, you know what I mean? It's just you've kind of just shown up in these situations. But anyway, uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, we were talking about Jesus and how he's changed (laughs) my life. So um, we meet in New York. We were doing a a show at the Creek in the Cave, I think. And uh, I remember, uh, I think... I don't know if I introduced myself to you then or not, but I remember being, I think I was living in Los Angeles when your uh, case, your pain in the ass started to kind of circulate. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is clearly going to dissipate. Yeah. And it won't be in the press I thought, in a month. I, at first when it happened, I, thought I, was, I really thought it was funny. I was like, this is so funny. This will be a good bit. In like two years, mm-hmm. and then uh, I, I. But then the the more it went on, the realer it got. And uh, when I hired my lawyer, uh, for people who don't know, I got sued by the Human Rights Commission of Quebec uh, because of a joke I made about a little uh, a French boy. He was a, a famous uh, singer from Quebec. Oh, I and, didn't know he had a history in show business. Yeah, because I I didn't even uh, like in the media they made it sound like. And I look like a dick in the media because it's a little disabled boy. And uh, I go on, uh, like, the, the joke, the basic joke was that he, uh, he, he was kind of like a Make-A-Wish uh, type kid. Met the Pope. Yeah, he met the Pope. He met the Pope. S- sang for the Pope. That was <laughs> his dream. Yeah, that was his dream, which is a, like a, a, that's a bad dream. And Jimmy Carr gave me a really good joke. He was uh. like, well, since he's deaf, I guess he hadn't heard what the Vatican does to oh. little boys. To see, Carr is an assassin. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. But so yeah, so so and the, when I talked about the kid, so the the basic joke was he became famous for like 
singing for the Pope, and that was his sort of dying wish. And but he doesn't have an illness that you die from. So he he sang for the Pope. He sang for. Was he famous at that time? That, when he that's, met the that's what made him famous. Or okay. Actually, he became famous because he sang for the national anthem at a Montreal Canadiens game, which it doesn't feel like it'd make you famous, but for some weird reason, that's all you need in Montreal to be famous. Considering his physical position, was he, uh, can he sing? No, he's not a very, like, he's improved now, but when he was little, he was a, a pretty bad singer. Yeah. But, you know, he's a cute little kid, you know, six years old or whatever, uh, singing. Very so, sweet. So, front page of the paper, and then, uh, like, he came, he sang for the Pope, and then he went down to Vegas and sang with Celine Dion, and then came out with an album, came out with a book, and the joke was just the, the it was like, why isn't he dead yet? Like, we gave him his wish, he's supposed to die. And then a, a stupid rant about how he's unkillable and I tried to murder him and drown him and blah, blah, blah. And, it, and then the last tag was that I found out what his illness was. He was just ugly. That's, that's a basic joke. And then, um, like, I get a call, or my manager gets a call, and they're like, uh, you can't do that joke anymore. But I wasn't, like, I wasn't doing that joke anymore. Like so, so he was like, "Yeah." You had done this on television like seven years earlier, or something. Yeah, I, I was get it, it. Was it recorded on yeah, anything? It was uh, recorded on my uh, sort of special. Or okay, so like, uh, it was in public view for yeah. many years. Yeah, and then never heard about it, and then uh, got the con. Then, but like I was like, I can't do anything about it now, and. Uh, they, but with the thing, uh, they, they wanted uh, at first $80,000. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. So this is your lawyers telling you, say, look it, you're going to have to pay them $80,000. Yeah. Was it up for debate at all? Or no. why am I paying $80,000? He says, you have to pay this that, just to keep your... At, at first, like when they explained the whole thing, it was for, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, causing mental, you know... Uh, Distress, uh, distress, or whatever, and yeah, it's I, called being a pussy. Yeah, I would. They wanted me to give forty thousand dollars to the kid's mother, uh, twenty to the stepdad, and twenty to the kid okay. at first. And for if you were to say no, would you have to do? A, was there an option to do jail time? No, and and actually, when I got the thing, it wasn't because you go to jail for a year, you get jacked. Yeah, you get <laughs> fucking. You come out and you just start punching nuns day one. But at first, like, it wasn't even, we're bringing you to court for this reason. They were like, uh, it, it, they wrote, uh, we did an investigation about your joke, and you owe $80,000. Well, I like to see the, the calipers and, and uh, instruments that they use to measure the uh, material. The, the pain of a joke. Yeah. And so I, when I got that letter, I was... Uh, my manager was really stressed out, but I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. That's and, what I said as soon as I yeah. saw it. And so I, I Googled who was the best free speech lawyer in, uh, in Canada, and it's a guy from Montreal. So, so I called him, met, met him, and he was like, look, this, th they wrote 80,000, because 80,000 is a big enough number that it'll, it'll scare you. But it's small enough so that you'll 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 try to bargain your way out of it. Like if they said you owe five million dollars, I would have just went fuck you. Yeah. I don't have five million dollars. But but eighty thousand. They, they looked at your net worth. Yeah. They figured out your income. And they wanted. And they go, how much can we fucking soak this yeah. guy for? I actually even had to send them income tax reports like mm -hmm. uh, for the last couple of years. 
But uh, so my lawyer was like, look, they asked for 80 because they want to settle anywhere between 20 and 40. So yeah. I was like, I'd rather give you 100,000 than give them five. Because it was just like, you can't start paying for jokes. Like, no, it's a shakedown. Yeah. It, it's like mob. Yeah. I have a little theory. I'm going to, I have a theory. The kid, he's born disabled. He finds out that he, there's some sort of thing that brings him joy, this singing thing. They decide to improve the kid's quality of life and start putting him into various situations where he's singing national anthems, he's got a, a limited amount of time, and he's got a taste of celebrity. Yeah. And in the book and whatever, the interviews, and then as that started to dissipate, they realized that the mother was just ashamed of the kid the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> And the fact that he's not famous anymore, she can't beat him or drown him. So they have to take it out on take you. It out on me. And I figured I had a vision in my head today. I was thinking of you planting comedy flowers and the neighbor coming over with a broom and hitting you on the back of the head. That's what's kind of yeah. happened. It's like I've been planting flowers the whole time. Why are you coming into my yard? I'm not a malicious, mean person. This falls. Everything I discuss funnels under the umbrella of stand-up comedy, and you cannot take anything and own it. Yeah. Because it's not yours to own. Either you felt that it was funny or move on with your fucking yeah. life. It's almost like uh, suing like, uh, uh, like Vin Diesel cause he, or giving Vin Diesel a ticket because he drove too fast in Fast and the Furious. It's like taking shit. Like comedy, comedy is supposed to be comedy. This is Lenny Bruce shit. Yeah. Right, but at least at least I didn't have cops. Like Le Lenny Bruce actually went to jail. I had the cops. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that a little oh, later. Shit. I want you to finish out your story because I've, <laughs> yeah. I've, like I said, when I came down the uh, the the social media thing, I just, I, you know, looked at some of the headings and wasn't really investing in too much what hearsay was and stuff like that. And I knew I'd run into you sooner or later. I think we're gonna meet up with Tom Green tonight. And we, the three of us should get a picture together because I think it's okay, official yeah. that we're the probably the three most infamous comedians that ever <laughs> come out of the country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right? Definitely. <laughs> For all very different yeah. reasons of, of success and, uh, and um, uh, accomplishments, we, we couldn't believe three more different performers or uh, approach to it. And you, you speak in a completely different uh, language yeah. in, in your uh, element. But um, so the lawyer comes yeah. up with the high. Uh, so, so the lawyer told me he was like, uh, um, so I told him I'd rather pay you than, than give them anything. Mm. And then my lawyer. Good for you. And I, why would your lawyer even, well, did he, he just said this was it? There was no argument on his yeah. end or like, can we f to say fuck you? Yeah, he was like, you have two choices. You can make an offer or just fuck you. And that's he wrote this big long letter that was basically just fuck you. And he was like, the, it, it, like full of sarcasm. And he was like, congratulations, finally you're going after Mike Ward for doing a joke about a disabled kid. You should also go at once we're done ruining Mike Ward's career. You should go after Shakespeare. And then he yeah. mentioned a bunch of Shakespeare references that that had yeah. people uh, disabled people. So so she thinks she's broken new ground by attacking the jester. 
Yeah. It's been, people use them as scapegoats all the time. Do yeah. your own shit, you fucking lazy cunt. Yeah. But my, my, <laughs> my lawyer was, he told me, he was like, look, uh, you're okay. You're going to go to court. You're going to lose the first round because cause, uh, it's the human rights. Not to mention his fee. On yeah. top of your loss, like he, like he, so far, I've given him one hundred and fifty thousand, and but like uh, I was really lucky that I was I don't have kids. You've made one hundred and fifty thousand. I thought you were a juggler up until two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I didn't have like I don't have any money. Like but, yeah. but I was able to like just book shows and try to hustle to fuck. And I got Willie I, Nelson I, did Taco Bell commercials. To pay off his tax debts. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so I was like, I, w- I was okay for the first uh, about 90. And then I was like this, I'm, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to go bankrupt. So uh, I was, I, I started a GoFundMe that that helped. And just for laughs, uh, did a, a benefit for me that they gave me like 20,000. Did so they that make helped. any public opinion on this? Because this is very effective they to did, them they, too. They came out like a uh, full on support. Yeah, and they when they did that show, it was Bruce Hills that the, he came up with. Like he he asked me, he was like, "Why hasn't anyone done a show for you?" And I was like, "I don't know." So he goes, "Okay, we're doing a show." And that then he, year, yeah, he oh, that that's that, cool. that almost that day, he told me like, let's say uh, um, the festival was almost over, so he told me on a on a like on a Friday, and then on Saturday we that, were doing I the like show. I like that. I like that. Fuck me. And, fuck you. And he actually added like at the. Uh, it was at Metropolis, and then he got like all the sort like of that venue. dirty guys that were still in town. So he got Jim Norton, he got oh, Jimmy great. Carr, Ralphie May, Brad Williams. It was and some French people, because yeah, this affects like comics everywhere. So it was like a, a cool brotherhood show, and it was fun fun for me being like a sort of French Canadian comic, seeing like my French Canadian friends on. After Jim Norton, like like there's something. Yeah, those paths never crossed. Yeah, there'd be no. Uh, but it was nice to see the comedy community come together. For yeah, that. I felt I felt oh. tons of support. Like mm. I've been I've been so lucky that people reached out. People I've never met. I love that. Were, like, picture Patrice O'Neill is your is your lawyer. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that would be outstanding. Whenever whenever like when I was going through the the whole court thing, mm. I'd I'd listen to his. Um, his the on YouTube when he it, the title is Patrice Schools Abroad on Funny. That's exactly what I was referring to I, when I, I made that lawyer I, comment. I watched that shit like <sighs> I, like at least once a year since it came out. But during the court thing, I was watching that it's almost not like your job. every day. Yeah, it's not your job. You don't know comedy. Yeah, and he was so good <laughs> at defending what we do. That's where like I find myself really bad at like. D- defending myself because like whenever whenever I talk I'm I'm just like I I don't even listen to what the, the other people are saying mm-hmm. when because it makes me angry now since you know I fucking went through this weird thing so when someone's telling me why comedians shouldn't say uh, yeah. what they want to say I just fucking oh, yeah, block them out you can't they're, 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 they may as well be speaking a completely different language yeah. you understand because they're not any they're so married to this anchor. And it's it's sinking ship. It does nothing for the better the humanity by smothering comedians. There's has to be these 
elements to keep the this the, the iron hot in comedy. I think though what those people don't understand is a rape joke and a joke about flowers comes they both come from the exact same place mm-hmm. and they're both written for the exact same reason. Like if if you're doing a, a kidnapping joke, your goal isn't to fucking make people that have lost a kid to kidnapping cry. Your goal is to make people that like fucking dark humor laugh. Yeah. But a lot of people don't get that. They'll see like either dirty comics or dark comics and they'll they, they just fucking think, okay, that's a bad person. And I think people, I think the smarter people who were kind of making flippant, you know, observations like that are taking a look at like the most prominent example would be Bill Cosby, who's, you know, the America's darling, stage, yeah. you know, people couldn't say enough bad, uh, good things about Cosby for 150 years. And he's the most deviant. Yeah. You know. And that's fucking evil. That wasn't just rape. That's fucking like sinister. Like fucking luring someone in your house, putting a, a, a fucking shit in their drink, and then fucking them. That is very sick to go on and have the, that elitism that he must have had. Yeah. I actually went and saw him at Just for Laughs and walked out. Oh, really? I, I was overheard some... He was doing like a two and a half hour show. And I've never seen anyone on a stage more than maybe an hour and 20 minutes. And it was a chance to go see Cosby. It was boring as hell. Okay. But obviously, you know, I grew up on his records. Yeah. A lot's happened in the last 40, 50 years. I opened for him uh, in Quebec City um, mm-hmm. years ago. And he, like, they, they had booked me since I was from Quebec City. And they, they knew that I, I did English comedy. Mm-hmm. And But the, the Cosby people didn't, like check my resume or anything like they didn't know who i was they booked me or the people organizing the thing booked me and i i actually told them i was like i can't open for cosby i'm way too dirty it's not gonna work he's gonna get offended and they were like no no we want you on we want you on i was like this this doesn't uh, no and then they, they 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 sent out a contract we signed the contract to, and it was a, a big gig. Like, I was getting five grand open for mm. Cosby. So I was like, okay. And then, like, the day after, they called. And one they were, show? Yeah, one show. And they, they were, and it was an outdoor show. There's a comedy festival in Quebec City. Mm. Outdoor show, like a 3,000-seater sort of, uh, it, it almost. Tented? No, uh, like, a, it, it's a thing near the old port. It's uh, it almost feels like you're in ancient Rome, like the the, the columns and yeah, the and white the seats stone. Are, are you know oh, Colosseum some, style. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, like uh, then then when the Cosby people found out I was uh, opening for them, I told my manager to write up like a another resume and just put like things that I did that like take out the nasty show take and just write like he he performed for our troops in Afghanistan so I'd look like a and I did the, like he went to he performed at the Olympics just stuff that makes it look like I'm a, a, a bookended out a little yeah. bit yeah. and then but then they found out who I was and Cosby's uh, manager agent called my manager and he was like if Mike uh, says fuck once on stage uh. or says anything that Bill finds offensive Bill is gonna leave and uh the whole thing's done yeah and and he still had to get paid so so they and he had he had the festival people put speakers in his dressing room so that he could listen and screen to, everything to, to be like you know the the king who's like okay fuck you're, you're right you're dead or you're good now bring in somebody for me to rape yeah right. yeah and that imagine like i'm and i'm like he's judging me 
And I'm like, he, I, I do one rape joke and he's fucking raping like 78 people or I don't I, know what the number is. I now. think the, um, the people that take these moral high grounds, I think I'm always suspect of the person that stands up at my show and says, this is wrong. Yeah. Because I see something in their eyes that's clearly made them uncomfortable. Maybe they've been a victim of some of the subject matter or victimized somebody through yeah. some of the horrific oh, subject really? matter. Yeah, I can see... An oh, aggravation fuck. that starts to get in, like, does he know? Can he? Oh shit! How mind? can he tell? I'm because like I'm that? so my deviant behavior, <coughs> the vileness is so grotesque <laughs> and graphic that even the sickest of sickos are are starting to get a little traction with it. I've got a whole thing thing I'm trying to out pedophiles through a systematic elimination during an Austin through, through <laughs> hand holdings and find oh, out all the kid fuckers are oh, and burn those ones. Because um, it's usually, you know, somebody that looks like they got their shit together and they're uh, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. It's a kid's clown that murders the kids. Yeah. There was a guy, uh, they, this didn't get much traction in the news, but there was a guy from the Quebec Human Rights Commission and the, the way they call it in French, they, they say Commission uh, des droits de la personne et droits de la jeunesse. They added uh, the protection of children in that too. And this guy worked for the human so rights what, what was this is like their slogan? Like that, that, that's their thing. Like okay. they, it's a human rights commission and Specifically the protection ch of children. children. This guy was an investigator for them. And they, they found out he had raped a five-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went to court, he pleaded guilty, and then the judge just gave him a, a, a unconditional absolution. So he doesn't even have a record. It, diplomatic immunity yeah. almost. And then, then he, and he got fired two months after that. Mm -hmm. Like the human rights people didn't even fire him Because right there's probably, you know, pedophiles in the human rights. It's very probably, there's probably like a network of, you know, secret handshakes of kid fuckers. But the shitty knuckle handshake <laughs> or something. I don't know what it is, but you see these people getting, you know, how many loopholes, like look at the Catholic Church and moving them from location to location. Yeah. It's like, this is, uh, you're destroying people's lives yeah. by these, these selfish decisions. Yeah. When you're masquerading as a, a moral uh, human person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the church is the worst for that. They used to move people. I think it was... Uh, was it 50 miles away? Because in the old days, they figured no one ever traveled for more than 50 miles. So, like, all these, all these people that got molested, like, the church was like, oh, I'm sorry, we'll get rid of the priest, and he'll go molest yeah. someone new. And they change, and then they bring a new guy in. Yeah. And before they know it, there's a whole... It's a circuit of f fucking... Yeah. That, that's what was good about the whole prison system. I don't know if it's like that still here, but um, in Canada now, they... Uh, Kid fuckers, they don't put them with the general population. Oh, yeah, they get they, murdered. Yeah. As but they should. That, that, was, that was the good thing about, like, because you got, like, real justice out of that. Because a, a guy that fucks a kid, he's not just fucking the kid. He's, he's killing that kid. He's destroying like, his soul. He's, he's there, there's part of that kid that's never going to be the same because of that. And you got those fucking people judging judging me for a joke, which I thought was I weird. Know. And, like, the people that stand up at your shows... Like, people that go see you, like, like everyone knows what you do. And if, if someone, like, 
has never seen you, but they're going to go see you. They're going to Google you. They're going to YouTube you. So if you yeah. know that you're easily offended, yes. don't, don't go see Jason Ruffs. Like, yeah. don't, like, go see. There are tons of, like, G-rated comics that totally. you can go see. And, you know, just because I really want the people that come to have a good time, uh, they've, the ticket offers, they're given warnings. There's warnings in the club. I think they're probably the average person that comes into my shows... I'm thinking of Vancouver specifically, or even Toronto now, but uh, they've probably been given a half a dozen warnings <laughs> why right. not to buy the tickets. Like, I've had friends that go, I had a hard time booking tickets. No, <laughs> it's not sold out. She goes, no, the girl was really trying to talk us oh, out of not buying tickets. He goes, no, I know what he does. I want to see it. Are you sure? You know, I'm that sure. kind of thing. It's it's very... Uh, but that, that makes it even more exciting for, for people that go see you. Like, sure, they're doing something it. dirty. Well, all those old records, the yeah. Red Fox and, yeah. and, and stuff like these dirty old comedy records. I like to be that in that context of something that the night people do to do weird shit. Yeah. They want to see something a little outside the box. They're bored all day and they want to see and hear things that they could never do in the workplace. Absurd. There, there used to be a thing though. Like I first, um, when I was little, I, I really liked metal just because, like, all my aunts and uncles thought that, that it, that it was yeah, Voivod. Fucking Voivod. Yeah, I, I love Voivod. I sang. I, I used to do the show Music Plus, which is like the French MTV. Oh, that's where I think I recognized okay. you immediately from that. And I sang a song with Voivod, and I was like, Did you? Yeah, that was like that's I, very cool. I, I didn't even. Well, it wasn't an actual song, but like I sang like a part of a song uh -huh. and I was like oh this is the best that's very cool they're massively respected in the metal community yeah. and uh, I had shared a drink with uh, was it Snake the drummer uh, and, uh, or, no uh, Snake is the singer or uh, yes yeah. and uh, Wind he does all the graphics all those famous okay, Voivod yeah. art yeah. covers and stuff I think he did uh, yeah anyway he did uh, um, uh, one of Dave Grohl's I was going to bring that up yeah. but I thought it was too absurd for you yeah. to know Probot yeah he did the Probot yeah. with all Dave's favorite you know everything from King Diamond yeah. and Motorhead uh, and everything in between um, but yeah Voivod was the second concert I ever went to oh really the first show was a Metallica in Hamilton in 88 with Queensryche and then I was like, this is amazing. You know, I saw Metallica. What's next? And friend said, uh, Soundgarden, Faith No More, and Voivod. And I was a huge Voivod fan. I knew a little bit about Faith No More. And Soundgarden, that first L Louder Than Love album, I didn't like the vocal part of it. But okay. I think by the second album, they had a proper uh, blueprint of what their history of their career was going to be. Coincidentally, Chris Cornell is buried... Five minutes from here. Oh, really? We can take a go and look okay, at his grave yeah, if you yeah. like. There was, when I have Voivod on, they told me this was the first time they were ever on a, like a TV Major, talk show. Yeah, and like I was like, that's fucking crazy because like they're they're a you know they're they live they live in Montreal they they're they're from like northern Quebec. Not the best looking guys either. No, they're not no. a glamorous rock band. That's thing. They're unfuckable. They're yeah. pure metal. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're real metal. They had told me the way that Snake, the singer, got his job. That band existed. He's huge, by the way. I didn't yeah. know he was that big. Yeah, he's a big, like, he's a huge super dude. tall, super hey, wide. <laughs> but they, they told me they went to, uh, they wanted to see an uh, improv show, and he, he was doing improv, and mm -hmm. he was like, 
they, they liked they how he was. Oh. And they were like, we like how you improvise. Can you sing? And he was like, I don't know. Okay, I can try. And then he really liked punk. Yeah. So, and, and the way he sang, they were like, oh, shit, we weren't going in that direction. Mm-hmm. But that, so it's the, you, you want in. And I was like, that's crazy that he got his job. Because he was good at improv. Even stranger, uh, there was a metal magazine, in, uh, a Toronto-based metal magazine. I think it went across the country. It was called Meat Magazine. And Sebastian Bach was plucked from an ad in that magazine, the front of band, regardless of whether or not he could sing on, oh, his, really? on his entire look. Just the look. Oh, so Snake fuck. clearly had some physicality and a, a presence. Yeah. And we'll, we'll teach him how to sing. But right now, we've got a front man. Yeah. This guy, we he's... You know, they probably work with enough people uh, that know that there has to be a fucking engine push in this thing. And the lead singer is yeah. very important. Like, like uh, especially like when Voivod was coming up, th- those were the years like where look was like guys like Motley Crue, like everyone. Oh, yeah. Everyone looked like a like a fucking like a rock star with the. And then you had these fucking guys, singer, a little chubby, Slouch, sweat, yeah. <laughs> sweatpants. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I love the um, and. Again, that like the probably relatively unknown in North America, but I've been on music festivals in Europe, and people love that band. Yeah, they they told me that's all they do now is festivals in Europe, and sometimes some like big like some old metal band, I'll I'll like think, oh fuck, okay, Voivod still exists. They put them on, but yeah. they they don't they don't really work. Uh, They're tired, back man. Home anymore. They're tired. Yeah. Those guys were in a metal band in the 80s in extreme end of music. You know what I mean? They were going on the road in Europe in the probably, you know, late 80s, early 90s and partied. Mm. How much beer do you think Voivod has drank? <laughs> right? And we're yeah. laughing because yeah. you know that those guys were, were it wasn't a hobby. They 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 were in it. They yeah. were they were all over it. You know, there was no uh, silk scarfs or a, a lipstick phase in mm-hmm. Voivod. You know, <laughs> it was very consistent. Almost like all those guys, I think none of them drink anymore. Cause, I'm sure because I like, uh, or maybe I I think um, one their their one of their guitarists, but he's he's like only been in the band for a couple of years, so yeah. he didn't go through. Piggy like died. The, yeah. Yeah, he had some sort of hormone issue or something. He had a lot of complications and a lot of medication. Yeah. I love his guitar playing. He's like this short little... Yeah. Yeah, yeah great. Uh, do you go see many shows? But you're not, you don't have a wife and kids. I have a wife. I you don't have, have kids. No so. children. No, no kids. And uh, what was the last concert you went to? Uh, last concert I went to, I think, was uh, Twisted Sister. Really? Yeah. Have you seen The Doc on Netflix? Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. It's arguably probably... My top three rock documentaries ever. Oh, really? I was blown away. Oh yeah, no, sorry, I did see that. Did you? Yeah. About them kind of coming up. Yeah. What a what a story. Yeah. I, I love that kind of, uh, you know, like you were saying, watching those old Patrice interviews and stuff, and seeing uh, a a fuck you, we're gonna make this work, uh, and we don't care what anyone says, type thing. Yeah. Um. Twisted Sister. I was surprised at how fucking like D. Snyder is in amazing, amazing mm-hmm. shape. Like he, I was, I was supposed to open for him at that show, 
And uh, then he got he he didn't want me to open for him because I used to do this TV show in French where where um, me and my friend were like it was for. Uh, have you met Mitsu? Uh, I have. She got really angry at me because uh, of a joke. I I'm like when Twitter was first starting out, uh, she came out with this fucking video, and it was. And I just made a joke about it. She's our Rose McGowan. Yeah. <laughs> right? And she wrote me, she DM'd me, and she was like, remove your tweet immediately. And I was like, what? And she goes, take it down before the media sees it, and they run with it, and this becomes a story. And then I just wrote back. I was like, Mitsu, this isn't fucking 1992. No You're one gives relevant. a fuck about you. Yeah. Uh, fuck off. Someone got in your ear that's clearly getting a check from her and says, listen, you need to deal with this. You're yeah. still relevant and popular. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck? It's like getting angry at bathroom graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who wrote fuck yourself and their own shit on the wall? Yeah. I'll get to the bottom of this. I had, though, like, uh, they, they asked me, uh, they roasted her on TV, like, after that. And they had called me and they were like, do you want to come roast her? And I was like, fuck, if she can't even handle a tweet, like, she, the roast, she's going to cry. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It'll be me against you type of situation. And apparently, like, this is a, a, this a, a, a roast, but it's on TV and on the French CBC, so it's super clean. And they had to, like, stop the taping cause, and tell her, like, look, these are jokes. People are making these jokes because they love you. You know, fucking... Like, that coddling, like, I the girl's been... She's people. probably had... Some real problems in her life. I don't understand this. I, do you know an uh, uh, Australian comedian by the name of Steve Hughes? Yeah, I've never met him, but I love his, uh, his, his bit. Uh, he's, he is, uh, I, you know, he's awesome. I hope he's okay. I miss my buddy Steve. He got me drinking again after. No, he didn't get me drinking. I had a, <laughs> a drink after six years of not. Okay. With Steve Hughes in Manchester, red wine. Listen to old heavy metal records on vinyl. Okay, he's uh, he's a, he's an anomaly. But as far as you know, that sticks and stones. He used to be a singer, right? He was a drummer. Oh, drummer. He was a drummer in a, in a band, a death metal band in Australia. Um, I want to say Cryptic Slaughter, but it's not Slaughter Lord. Okay. So he was in, a, and he's very good. He's got some videos of him drumming and stuff, and he played in a bunch of bands, and I think he played in a, 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 a Irish black metal band called Primordial for a minute when he was living in Dublin, but he's uh, super talented. You know, I, you, you forget because he's such a dude, you know, long hair, like fucking, yeah. but he's also a killer uh, comedian. And uh, I think he's a very sensitive, caring person. He loves comedy so much that sometimes that uh, people don't take his advice those these observations that he's yeah. made and uh it can hurt your feelings when yeah. you've you've clarified an issue through comedy and everyone's very dismissive of it does he does he ever come to america or i don't think he ever would come to the states oh really i don't think he'd ever come he you know he was living in london for some time and uh went back to australia some years ago i think after i'd moved from london and uh but i think he's he doesn't do comedy he does comedy for himself. He's in a, a different, um, we'll call it, uh, what do you call it when you orbit? He has his own orbit. Okay. He doesn't, in, the business doesn't really influence him. He kind of influences it. And I haven't seen him sometimes, but he's always brilliant. Fun to watch. I, I always enjoyed, uh, you know, with him. Talking about he's dead or something. I haven't seen yeah. the guy. <laughs> Just, <laughs> um, music and uh, comedy, though, there's a lot of crossovers. Yeah. I try and draw those lines a lot. I enjoy the uh, 
spectacle of a rock show. And um, if you can kind of sow some good humor into that, it, it's it's a fun way. Because especially, you know, I find Montreal is a little more forgiving and open-minded in in the idea of like live entertainment. It has that European aspect of it where you can see a lot of different varieties of, of performers mm. and um, where you wouldn't really get away with that in other parts of the country. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. I I think people just party harder in Montreal. Okay, <laughs> yeah. could be, yeah. How many blackout nights have you had in Montreal? I've had a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I've had a bunch. Well, what was the first year... You know, obviously, you're on the radar very quickly of the Just for Last Festival. Yeah. You're since, a local guy, there, French yeah. speaking, um, doing comedy, you know, yeah. building your career. Uh, where are places that you are practicing? Um, they do French nights at most clubs? Or, yeah. Or? The, no, there's... Uh, I started a club with a bunch of friends. So I, I my, my French stuff is all there. It's called Le Bordel. Mm-hmm. And we call it Le Bordel, which is French for Bordello, because it's... It's in um, whorehouse. It's in a, a old whorehouse, and oh, really? it, it was like Montreal's biggest whorehouse. Uh-huh. And it's the only it's the only um, building on Ontario Street that they took the address off because when they closed They're down ashamed. the bordello, like people people for years later would knock and go like, "Can we still fuck a whore?" And they were like, "It's a fucking house now. Yeah, Leave we my got a house. family of four. <laughs> what year did this?" They pull out they, the whores. They pulled out the, the whores in the in the sixties or like sixties or almost seventies. Okay, because I'm I met a guy. I love to see photos of the hookers in their fifties. Yeah. I met a guy that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that must have been not fucker. big teeth brushers. <laughs> but yeah, I met a guy who who went to school like the other side of the the street uh, from from the bordel, and he was like, I remember when I was little seeing hookers, and he he's like a. He's not a super old man, so yeah, probably probably closed early, down. Yeah, sixties or. That's sad, but I think probably the commercialization of the strip clubs—they really refined. Like Montreal, as soon as you go in the door, you're there. There's very a lot of hospitality, the atmosphere, everyone's smiling. There's a, it's a party atmosphere, yeah. and uh, I think the hookers were probably, you know. People were getting fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and a girl swinging around a brass pole, when you go down to with old Montreal and put your cock into a, you know, some pirate war pig. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I brought uh, Dave Chappelle to a strip club in Montreal. Of course when, you did. When he was down and he, because he was on stage talking about, there was a rub and tug next to the, the. The venue, the venue, yeah. and then after, so after the show, I just told him because he kept on calling them that's strippers, awesome. and I was like, that's that, awesome. "That isn't a strip club. That's a, that's a whorehouse." And I go, "If you want a strip club, I can I can give you." You leaned names. in, bonjour, <laughs> <laughs> hello. And then he like he he told his his DJ his security guys, but he calls them DJs. He told his two big DJs, he's like, "This guy's bringing us to a strip club." So. 
but you there's, had a 30 deep following you? Yeah. They're like, like follow the French yeah, kid. Was, he knows where the pussy is. <laughs> it was me and a bunch of black dudes. And that's awesome. It, it's like it, it was 2 30 in the morning. And you I was like, like the, you look like their agent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like I, telling him, I was like, look, the bar closes in 30 minutes. I don't know if they're gonna let us in. And he was like, No, I got this. So he he goes up first, but it's was it a, a black bouncer? Uh, a black uh, black bouncer, but a, a white uh, French black bouncer. Okay, Haitian so, dude. So, so the black guy looks at Chappelle and goes, excuse me, we're closed, because he doesn't recognize him. And then Chappelle's like, what the fuck? But then the black guy sees me, and he goes, fuck, oh, Mike no. Ward, Mike Ward. No, Chappelle. that's awesome. So then we, we got in. And, I got this. And the owner, <laughs> they stayed open till four. That's amazing. And the, the, I kept on getting strippers that wanted to take pictures with me, and then Chappelle would be like in the background. Yeah, yeah. So he was at the bar having a drink. While these fucking French strippers were taking selfies. That's show business. Yeah. <laughs> That's show business, you know. Like, you, you'll you find yourself in these kind of polar opposite situations. You know, on paper, you would feel like you'd had the key to the city with Chappelle. Yeah. You know, you recognize. And the fact that this black French dude does not recognize Chappelle during a, probably during the festival, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. Like... It's and then you get the nod from them. Hey, you know, it's I I love that flip on everything. I think though, Chappelle, he like he he seemed to really like that because like right now he's at a level that everywhere he goes. Oh, does want the attention in the English speaking world? Like everyone yeah. looks at him constantly, and everyone wants to talk to him. Yeah. So just being like just a guy having a drink. To quote Chris yeah. Rock, sometimes you got to play the tambourine in the background. Yeah. And that's a good place to be. Yeah. And he probably enjoys being in the uh, behind the curtain sometimes and just being a human being opposed to that. Because, you know, you, you've <laughs> been in the while, uh, business a while. And when you're around mega stars, legit, you know, superstars in comedy and the uh, energy that kind of circulates around them can be a little unnerving for me. It's very Stressful sometimes yeah. <laughs> when you're around it and you you see this kind of weird um, uh, communication start to kind of happen. It's it's kind of fucked up. But um, you're here in L.A.? Yeah, just came in for a couple of days. I'm, I'm doing um, a show up in Edmonton. So oh, I, I just, you know, came by on my yeah. way to it's close. Edmonton. Yeah, it's close. And I did the L.A. thing. When I saw you at the comedy store, I walked past you three times, <laughs> make eye contact, went in the hallway, scratched my head, and I'm like, is this my homeboy from Canada? Or am I going to go up and go, hey, are you uh, Mike Ward? And he's going to go, nah, I'm fucking from Chicago. And then there's a negative, you know, yeah. well, fuck you too, you know? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. There's There, yeah. there it is. You brought the sorries out of me. <laughs> sorry. Um, and then uh, you're here... Hanging out. We're going we're gonna to have a, a podcast tomorrow, and uh, but we're going to have some fun tonight. Are you coming out tonight? Yeah, yeah. Do you have no gigs tonight? No, I, I didn't book anything. Like, what, I, I just came out just to mm -hmm. hang out. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel... I, I didn't well, feel like, I live here, and I don't have gigs tonight. Okay. So there's no shame in that. There's It's like every weekend is a work day, but it's not on stage. Yeah. You know, if we were, I think we were talking about this a little bit. 90% of this is is being around in, in networking. And oh, definitely, those yeah. Relationships. I've, I have a friend. I, I really, like, I've always known that. 
but I have a friend that moved to New York, and the first five years he was doing comedy, he'd do his set and then just leave. And he he was like, I gotta I gotta be good on stage. But then like if you don't stay after, no no one knows that you're good on stage. Like yeah, because no like comics comics will, will kind of watch other comics, but no one's like. You know, that guy's a, got a drug a, a problem. A new guy, I want to I wanna listen to him to mm-hmm. see if he's good. You know, no one does that. You, you no. gotta just be... This place, very much so. Like the comedy store and the improv and the Laugh Factory is kind of like the staple clubs. But uh, there's rooms and, and then the audience leaves. And they're all comedians. They, I was on, now I'm leaving. They have, they're not interested. It's very self... Uh, involved type okay. of situation because so. it's more I like sh- watching good comedy and I like watching bad yeah. comedy yeah yeah you know. bad bad comedy is actually when you're you're live <laughs> like yesterday I, I I never smoked but I I, I smoked with <laughs> with a friend and went to see a really bad comedy show that's and when you smoke it was the best like yeah. and the whole time like we were just Fuck, like sometimes words would make us laugh and we'd like giggle for too long. And I was the only white guy in the room. So, uh-huh. so it was a black room. So I, then I was like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't laugh so much because it almost makes it look like I'm super racist. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be ostracized <laughs> in that group. But you can, as a comedian and somebody who's giggling through it, you're seeing how the, the scaffolding's all falling. Yeah. This guy's fumbling over his own shoes, and, and you, there's some humor in that. Yeah. And the defeat, because we've all been through that process of trying to feel around in the dark and find something that kind of works. Yeah. Um, I, I, those rooms, like, there, there's something that, like, a really bad room like that, that, uh, like, I like really bad rooms that, can, that look like bad rooms but are actually good rooms. But those horrible shows are good for if you're like a brand new comic, you know, first or second or third year in, whatever, just to f- get used to performing in front of people that don't give a fuck about oh, you. Oh, yeah, where to hold the mic stand. Like, there's a lot of yeah. simple things that go in one ear, out the other, as but soon as you stand on stage. There's so. something that's, like, when you're, uh, like, I stopped doing those because, like, now I'm like, well, why am I here? Like, this this doesn't make sense. I did a, um, there's a place in Montreal called Grumpy's, and I went and they, they, like, when I get there, they're like, uh, hey, man, uh, thanks for doing the open mic. I do the open mic, and it's a, just a bad room. So I'm, I'm always, like, trying to get people to listen. I do my thing, and I, I tell the guy, I was like, this is the worst place. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes, Mike Wilmot said this is the worst open mic in Canada. And I was like, you shouldn't be bragging about no. that. Like, like, when Mike Wilmot said that, he yeah. wasn't saying, like, hey, man, good job. You guys yeah. are the worst. Like, no, get I, your shit together. That's I, not a prize you want to have. Yeah, I was like, don't don't brag about that and try to fucking fix it. I remember going to a show here and they left it. Oh, we like to leave the TV. I go, why do we turn off those flashing lights? Oh, we like the comments to kind of struggle through the, the light changes and stuff. It's like, this is a difficult situation as it is. And now you want to add hurdles to something I really shit. don't even know what's happening. Yeah, there's... You know, you know this God, business yeah. attracts the insane. Yeah. Well, why would you want to make the performer's no, job harder? Because I think that person was a failure as yeah. an artist. <laughs> so it allowed them to have an excuse why they're bad and everyone's equally as bad. <laughs> it was like uh, making somebody walk down a hallway with dog shit in it. <laughs> and that's the only hallway. And then going, ah, see, we all got dog shit on our <laughs> shoes. It's a fucking weird. Yeah. I've had to do a lot of uh, <coughs> um, 
I don't know what you call it, psychology, uh, human, uh, the human condition. And he, being here, I find myself being a little more um, introverted to observe. I don't speak as freely as I would do in like Canada and, and other places. Okay. Because of um, your people aren't coming at you in a normal way. So they've already have their ideas and their what their point they're trying to get across. There's no conversation of dialogue, no very little eye contact. Uh, nobody's very present during the conversations. So usually let them throw up in front of you and then go on with your day kind of thing. <laughs> um, and uh, it's got yeah, it's got the. Um, I think you were saying this before we started recording, but it's got a sort of a festival feel to it. Like uh, like when when you go to just for the last, Delta, the Delta yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know, uh, it, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, yeah. The it, city is like the Edinburgh Festival with ninety nine percent less talent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it, with, with yeah. no screening, no secure. Yeah, it's different. I'm really. Oh, by the way, I'll be in Vancouver, yuck yucks, <laughs> the first week of April. I'm, you know, I just booked a gig. Uh, it looks like I'm going to be in Yellowknife. Oh, really? <laughs> Have you ever played Yellowknife? No. Okay. I don't think I've been in the Northwest Territories. Is that what it is? Uh, Yellowknife, yeah. I th- yeah. Is, is that you? No. It, yeah, it's a I should know Territories. this. I've completely yeah. ignored that part yeah. of our country, but I know it's uh, quite beautiful up there. Um, there'll be no shows in Edmonton ever again. They found a little marijuana. On my uh, on my desk, it, uh, like I mean, uh, crumbs, and uh, been banned from the uh, casino. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, so, and I, that's funny that like gambling is way worse than weed. Dude, there is a guy who died of oxycodone overdose in my the hotel room next to my buddies. They had the pound on his door. He had to go. They had to go through the the secondary door in the rooms, the adjoining doors, and buddies pilled out dead in his chair. Like that city has a major drug problem, but marijuana and uh, pharmaceutical obituate. Uh, yeah, uh, is that how you say it? Is it uh, barbiturates? Barbiturates. Yeah, I said barbiturate. Yeah, that's something else. I think that's some Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> shit. Um, anyway, I was really kind of looking for an excuse not to go back there. I've friends there still but it's i remember the shows i've I've never been like uh next week's going to be my first time in edmonton okay yeah ever yeah my brother lives in calgary so i'm in calgary like uh at least once a year but never edmonton calgary's great yeah i think edmonton uh, in my mind is going to be like uh it's the uh it's the western winnipeg yes and has a, a hamilton elements to it too okay yeah it's 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 pretty fucked up but um the what else do I have? What are you doing? We're gonna hang out, and then uh, I've got shows somewhere. I'll be at the Laugh Factory some point next week, I think. And um, where can people get a hold of you? Uh, I'm the, right now. I'm I'm mostly Montreal. Uh, so if people want to see, I have a. Is there any way people can donate money to you? Part of your political? Uh, not anymore. But no. I, I want to. I'm, I'm gonna do this soon. I was gonna wait till my. Uh, trial was over, mm-hmm. but there's a, a comic in London that got sued by her husband, her, her uh, yes. ha- ex-husband, and uh, I want to start a fund for for her or for like a for legal 
the the next comic that this is going to happen to. Because I've been like super lucky that I was at a place in my life and my career where I was making money, so I could pay. Like that's uh, why you got fucked. Yeah. They looked at you, your body of work, and go, we can take him for this. Yeah. He's going to have to struggle for it, but we're going to clean this fucker out. But and it's fucking gross. I think and they though, should be ashamed of themselves. I think in Canada, though, they're going after, like, like even if I didn't have money, they would have they, they would have come after me, but they would have said, they would have said like, you owe 10000 instead of eighty. Then why haven't they come after me? Yeah. You're, you're, I got to be more specific. Yeah. I think the I thing, fuck shit up. Yeah, I know. Like, I, know. I really fuck shit up. I've got all the baggage, emotional baggage from being in a, a kind of weird purgatory in Los Angeles. Okay. And then I take that there. And when people start to do the shit that they've kind of done to you, it infuriates me. And then it becomes malicious. Yeah. I think the only reason why they haven't come, come at you is since you're not based in Canada anymore. Like well, the, I want to move back just for this just for reason, that. just to take a fucking flamethrower. That's what I mean. I could go, I could do a year in jail. I'll, I'll do a year. I got friends in low places. I would not have really that much of a problem in a Canadian Jail. Canadian jails are probably. And I could probably good. do some fucking great gigs and yeah. come out of it with an Edinburgh show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a, year a year in prison. And I still have my hymen intact. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, me in a, what's the worst prison in Montreal? Um, I don't know. Ottawa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there isn't a bad prison in Montreal. There's Bordeaux, but I think there that's... There is a uh, really a good prison anywhere, but yeah. yeah. There's usually, uh, every major city has some sort of apocalyptic cage. Yeah. Generally, the ones in Quebec, they, they always send them way up north. That's where that um, Magnata guy is. The guy that cut up his, uh, his boyfriend or his date and then mailed. He fucked the body parts and then mailed the rest of them to members of uh, Congress. Recently? Uh, like two years ago. You didn't hear about that? This is not the guy that, out of Toronto that cut up the torsos and yeah, put them in the yeah. planners? Same yeah. guy? Yeah. Or, no, he, he didn't put them in planners. He mailed them to people, like uh, to like uh, members of Congress and to Whoa. the then prime minister. So they do DNA swabs on the tissue yeah. and find out the identity of these missing people. So, so they, you'd get like, like uh, Stephen Harper's uh, secretary or whatever, Got a package, opened it up, and it was some dude's arm. And that guy, when he cut, <laughs> he, he cut the the guy up, and he fucked the oh, the, the ass and the pieces. And my, my, I have a friend that like he was fucking obsessed with that video, and he was watching that. What? There's a video and, of it? Yeah, because he filmed it live. Like he streamed it live. He streamed the murders live. Yeah, in Canada. Yeah. Why and, am I hearing about this now? I don't know. Like <laughs> Norm Macdonald has the he he talked about this on his podcast like about a million times, and he it's the funniest thing. He always stretches out the whole thing how he fucking brought a guy home, cut him up, and yeah. then raped his dead body. And then the yeah. punchline is he was a bit of a jerk. Yeah. They, and that whenever I think of Magnata now, who's that that killer? I think Norm, of Norm McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> See lemons. In the lemonade. Yeah, exactly. One Asian man had to well, die that, for me to laugh at a Norm Macdonald bit. That is the essence of... Because the kid that is involved in your situation, it was so... They don't know him. They yeah. don't know. But they've pedestaled him into this kind of uh, um, beacon of hope. And Norm has done the same thing to a serial killer. <laughs> and it... it, it 
you can't and those things are interchanged they 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 don't have a i'm I'm babbling again i'm just i'm so furious now (laughs) (laughs) um but i think that that is a great idea with the um legal situation some sort of fund the thing that i'd want like i i want to do like now because of this woman i don't know if i'm gonna do it sooner but what i want to do is uh Right now, we lost the first part. We went to court, lost the first part. But we weren't in a real court. I was in, like, it was a human rights commission, in, and I was in court in front of the human rights tribunal. So it's the same. The person that's saying I'm guilty is also the person judging me. So I had no chance of winning. So now the appeal is in front of a, a three. How is that part of a legal process where you, you're just showing up to be shamed and yeah. exploited? I, I don't know. I don't know. And, like... But it, I don't want to have to get political. I really kind of functioned in the uh, underside of society and never very been specific. But I find this, I don't know if it's old age or what, but I'm becoming more sensitivity, especially to this comedians. You know, it, yeah. it really uh, uh, bothers me. That kid in Vancouver, I'm sure he was an uh, uh, inexperienced knucklehead in the wrong yeah. place at the wrong time. But you're clearly a seasoned professional. And the few times I've been around you, you've been nothing but a pleasant and yeah. uh, friendly guy. I, I always, I used to say, like, I, I'm a, a good person that does mean jokes or a mean person that does good jokes. But, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, like... I my, subscribe to that. My, my jokes are, like, I've always, I think the fact, and like, like you, you... It's a purge. So you don't have to yeah. be a cunt in your regular yeah. life. You get <laughs> like to... Like, all the cunty things come yeah, out on stage. Yeah, yeah. You, that's why you're a relaxed, you know, uh, well-balanced person, because you have an outlet. That's what I mean. I go, you know, if you don't laugh at this shit, I'm going to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> and it might be a school shooter. <laughs> There's something that I've noticed, like every time I, I've met, like a sort of David Tell, dirty or one dark of the comics. sweetest, sweetest guys in yeah. show business. Every everyone's super nice. Like Stan the, Hope, the the only Peach. the only cunty comics I've met are are like mainstream comics, and some of them, like I'm not saying that mainstream comics are all cunts, but some of them are super nice. But I've They're never called, I've if, never met someone that was dirty or dark on stage that that treated me like shit. Yeah. That's a weird thing. I wonder what the, the science or psychology is behind that, because that should be recognized. That the, 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 the dirtier the comedian, the more moral fiber he yeah. has. You know what I mean? There should I, be an award for if you can make people laugh at the most vile, disgusting things, you should get the key to the city. I think, though, that, that might be, you know, when you're starting out, uh, since, like, a, like, especially a guy like you, since you're dark on stage... You you almost have to be nice or almost nicer to the people so that they'll they'll book you because at first like when you were like now people know what you do and you have sort of a, a you know you have a, to reintroduce a, yourself but, but like the, at first when you had like twelve minutes of material people must have been like who the fuck what the fuck's uh, wrong with that guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally totally it was uh, luckily I uh, you know Mark Breslin was always. A huge advocate for freedom of speech. Yeah. And, and I really put that to the test. <laughs> uh, the only phone call, negative thing that I have, Mark called me and says, you can't touch people naked. That was it. <laughs> he goes, we can't, and everything else. You can't touch That was the naked. only phone call I had from him about, he, he was, that was the only criticism he had. And that was his livelihood. But <laughs> they had, you know, 
handwritten letters, three-page letters from people um, with a situation. I remember um, the booking agent says, we got a three-page handwritten letter about a lady who said that you made fun of her disabled brother. <laughs> and it wasn't, uh, that wasn't the case at all. I identified him and made him a fucking hero for the night. And she was ashamed to have attention brought to her while she was with her, her brother in the state that he was in. But he, had, he definitely didn't write that letter because his hands were all fucked up. <laughs> Generally, though, people that, uh, like I know uh, whenever I've done jokes about uh, disabled people on stage, it's, it's always the people around them that get offended. Never, never the guy in the wheelchair. Or rarely. It happened once, that, but it was a guy that he had, like, it was super uh, new. Like, he had just been in an accident, so he hadn't accepted oh. the fact he wasn't going to walk anymore. And then I, I was like, I'll fucking, I'll put this guy in my act. Like, just talk to him, and it, it'll help. Because I noticed whenever there were disabled people, I had a bit about my friend that's in a wheelchair. It always worked a million times better. But this guy fucking got angry. And uh, this was in London. Shitty people are in wheelchairs. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy, this guy was in London. He was a black dude. And a woman, for some reason, thought that I was... White chick? Yeah. And of course. She thought, They're the worst yeah. enemies of comedy <laughs> is white chicks. She thought I was making fun of him because I was racist, but I was scared to like make fun of him being black. So I was making fun of him being in a wheelchair. And she started yelling that I was racist. And it's, it sort of turned into like... Um, an argument that wasn't even yeah. re- uh, in context. But I, I was like trying to just like, what the, it's not a race. It's not like he wasn't born in a fucking wheelchair. And then it like a, a riot almost started. Half the she people wanted left. attention for yeah. herself. That selfish cunt yeah. vacuumed out. She knew that race was going to be a, a very trigger thing that she could get some traction on and pulled you into the deep end of her bullshit and yeah. ruined the fucking night. Yeah. Because she's a fucking racist. It was weird, though, because the, half the people left, but the people that stayed fucking loved it because it was almost like it, it became a, a, a circus. Like, they weren't even there for the comedy anymore. They were there for the what spectacle. The f- what the fuck is happening yeah. right now? Is that guy going to get, like, are they going to rush the stage? Are they mm-hmm. going to attack him? Is he going to run away? Is he- and the, <laughs> the, you get those world star hip-hop moments yeah. where when people see things escalate that are uh, uh, politically or racially charged, the phones come out, and yeah. they think they're gonna get that next thing that's gonna make them relevant. Did you see, you saw that guy, the uh, the black guy that gets attacked by by a dude that's swinging? Oh, uh, on the stage. Yeah, stand. yeah, yeah. That was a fucking. God, those damn. guys were in good shape. Yeah, that guy, he must have just he ripped his shirt off and come back in, but he yeah. was, he was he knew he'd been in uh, multiple fights. Yeah. Because I was looking at that, and I was like, okay, someone rushes the stage, and he, I can't fight. So he'll hit me, and I'll fucking try to push him away, and I'll, I'll try to hit him back. Someone's going to get tired. But yeah, but, but like when I saw the guy swinging with the mic stand, I was like, holy fuck, I would have died. Like, I'm, I'm not quick enough. I would have just got Metal hit bar the across the side of the head. Yeah. And that guy didn't look like he'd be the kind of guy that would stop kicking you either. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. electric. There was a, I, met, <laughs> I met this guy... I was in Vegas doing, Sam Tripoli had a, a little residency at uh, the Hard Rock uh, doing the naughty shows there. And there's this guy in the green room and I'm looking at him like, he introduces him, friendly enough, dude. And then uh, talking to me, do I know you? He goes, ah, I'm kind of on this video. There was this, 
the open micer in Vegas that got kicked in the chest. Have you okay. seen that one? No. Oh, this is maybe about a year ago. There's the local, you know, every city has a fucking clown that kind of shows up around comedy shows, who's <laughs> been on open mics for 30 years and is annoying and, and completely disrespectful to everybody involved. Well, this guy kept approaching the stage while this guy was on, and he warned him, don't not touch me, don't come to the stage. <laughs> the third time the guy comes up, after talking to him, found out he had some martial arts training, fucking kicked this guy in the chest so hard. There's all the Spartacus videos. They're slow-moded and stuff. And uh, I asked him a little bit about that, but... Um, I'm oh, sure I'm going to bring a knife on stage. I think I'm just going to leave it on the stool and just kind of go, who wants to have fun? You know, a couple OJ gloves and what have you. But uh, you have a show coming up in Edmonton? Yeah, a show in Edmonton um, uh, for like there's a TV network in Canada called Uni. It's a French. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's a French show in Edmonton mm-hmm. in a, a theater show. I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. Sure. Uh, but yeah. Do you have a, a guy that you kind cause it's a very niche, uh, thing that you're doing. Uh, do you have a guy that you, you have your guy that you op- have open for you? Yeah. Or yeah. Is, yeah. You got a I've, guy, I've, uh, same dude. Yeah. Same dude. We started doing comedy like 20 some years ago. Like Carlin, I think had the same guy for yeah. like 30 years or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's uh, like, he's, uh, since I'm kind of dirty, he's, uh, he's, bridge. Yeah, he's like weird, and I don't like saying weird, but he's like absurd what he does. Quirky. Yeah. So David Acheres. So so uh, yeah, a little. It's weird. He almost you almost feel like he's retarded. (laughs) Retarded. I wouldn't say David Acheres retarded, but okay, I'll follow that back. No, 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 not not David Acheres, but he's uh, like whenever you look at him. You're like, why is this grown man doing that? Like, he dances with a cat. Like, it's just fucking... Yeah. It feels like you're on magic mushrooms whenever you see him. I love it. And and when when I describe him, it doesn't sound good, but it's actually, it's fucking insanely sure. funny. It's, you get, like, you giggle, like, as if you were super stoned. And so I have him. Mm-hmm. And he, the, the, and then when I come on, it makes, it almost takes away the harshness of my joke so you almost feel like I'm almost a, like a cartoon character by now like yeah and you I think you know I do a similar thing too where you have to just palette that the like set it up that they're watching comedy like it's a very familiar thing for you to be in front of a, an audience in a stage but sitting in a chair and having somebody talk at you is a little uh foreign to some people yeah so an opening act that's a uh, uh, some sort of transition into completely opposite is usually what I go for. I, I look, you know, girls that are funny, yeah, clean or dirty. I'll have a female uh, funny comedian going before because I know that there's 70 guys there, 70% of the guys there, and most of those girls have been dragged. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck is this? This is our night out? This guy's <laughs> an animal. So if there's something there to at least alleviate some of the cock and ball stress in the room uh i always i like to have that so i think that's key yeah i did that i was in ottawa last week and both my openers were women and it really it we love women yeah i i really there was something cool about that and then like when when you go on like you got a totally different fucking point of view and a different way of seeing the world and and plus like with people that if if you do a joke like uh like I, I'm not misogynistic in my humor, but mm. you know, if I do a joke that someone could see as being a, 
misogynistic. If if you had like two women open for you, they're like, okay, he he a must friendly. be okay. Yeah. A friendly. Yeah. It's a friendly fire thing. Yeah. And it's weird that you there's a lot of thought that goes into setting the psychology up so that you have a, a decent playing field. Yeah. Um there's a lot involved in, uh, yeah, because I'm like the worst host in comedy. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I love hosting like open mic nights and things like that, but to do a host a professional show on a weekend and them not know who I am and I, I'm their ambassador, <laughs> it, is, it is a disaster. Because my instinctual thing is to, the imp of the perverse, as my friend calls it, I'm, 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 I'm like... You, who wants to see a dead cat? <laughs> and everyone's like, um, it's my grandmother's birthday. We don't want to see any dead cats. We thought there was going to be a juggler or something. Um, shows, Edmonton, I'm going to plug some shows. Yeah. Do you have anything that you want to yeah, plug? Yeah, uh, just, uh, I'm doing, um, well, I did, I did a recorded an album called Pedophile Jokes and Death Threats. Mm-hmm. So people can listen to that for free on Bandcamp. Um, and is, do you have stuff for sale on iTunes or any other um, DVD? Like I do, but just like it's better just to listen to the free uh, free Bandcamp thing because the rest is all everything I that I have for sale is French. So yeah. So just if you if you know French, you know, buy it or download it. I don't really care since you know it it's been out for so long. Yeah, you and I, I see. You know, that's the right thing to do. That was an old skin. Yeah. You're not really interested in pushing something that you've done yeah. ages ago. Yeah, there's something clearly... weird about, like, put, hey, buy this that I recorded in, you know, 1991. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a lot of people that will just, they, they just want to get themselves out there so much they'll, they'll exploit it. Something that was great some time ago, they hold on to that part of their career yeah. and they kind of coddle it around and there's, nothing gets done. There's nothing sadder than when a, a comic d- does that, when they bring them up and they're like, you might know this next guy. And they like plug something from like 1998. Yeah. It's like those Charlie Chaplin <laughs> yeah. posters in the comedy clubs. Yeah. It's like, what are you, yeah. what are you doing? Why are you, why are you? Um, shows, you have like an Instagram and Twitter yeah, and all I, that everything stuff. is Mike Ward CA. Twitter, awesome. Facebook, Instagram, and my website, MikeWard.ca. Wicked. Um, I'm at the Dime here in Los Angeles. Actually, you're not here on the 12th, are you? No, I, I go back uh, okay. tomorrow or this two is days. one of the better rooms outside of the clubs. Okay. It's, uh, it's pretty decent. So the Dime on March 12th. And then I will start my uh, tour, I guess, for the year on April 6th, Vancouver, that weekend in Calgary, Halifax, St. John. What date are you in Calgary? I'm in Calgary, um, April 12th, 13th, and 14th. Okay, I'll get my brother to go out. Yeah. 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 Do you know uh, Pete Zedlacker? Yeah. He's just moved there, I think, maybe about a year ago or less. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's in Calgary now, which okay. we're at a shop. But I can see, uh, you know, touring Ontario clubs is not uh, a career move. So doing corporates in Alberta for oil uh, okay. tycoons, I guess, would be more viable. And when are you going back to Europe? Europe will probably be... There's some unannounced uh, dates, but I might be doing a rock festival with uh, uh, Guns N' Roses oh, in, um, in England, the Download Festival uh, in June. So I'm looking to schedule um, a bunch of rock festival gigs in June and then... Something I can't really talk about too much, but December in Denmark, something special. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. 
Uh, thanks for, uh, you know, listening, everybody. I know I mumble stuff, and uh, Mr. Ward here, you were a great guest. Oh, thanks. In my lowly ADD stroked out conversation, <laughs> you managed to keep the, moving along. And if uh, people reach out, check out his stuff, out, out in the boot. And uh, I've been uh, Jason Rouse, and we're going to go look at Chris Cornell. Thank you. Perfect. I don't care what society thinks of me.